Hello, friends, and welcome to the Wisdom for Life broadcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode that we hope will bless you. James chapter 1, verse 12. We're, we're, we're talking about, we're in a series this morning, snakes. As soon as I say snakes, everybody's like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You remember what we talked about last week? Paul is on the island of Malta. And just a bit of review here. Paul is driven to that island. And if, with, if we don't use some discernment here, we don't see the finer distinctions. We begin to assume that because there was a storm, and there was a shipwreck, that that was the enemy. That was the devil. You see, Paul was on a ship. He's headed now towards Rome. But along the way, there's a storm. There's a shipwreck. And then he's trapped on this island, or he's he's marooned on this island. Three-hour tour. A little bit more than that. Anyway, we wrongly assume that because there's a storm and there's a shipwreck, that that's God. But it was actually God causing a divine diversion to get Paul where he needed to be to present the gospel to these natives on this island. And we see where the snake comes out. The snake doesn't come out in the storm or the shipwreck. The snake comes out in the fire. And we landed the plane last week with this. When you get on fire for God, that's when you get bit. You think the storm is the bite. That's not the bite. Sometimes you even can mis mistake what is happening circumstantially and say that this must be evil because it's not good. But how many of you know that Romans tells us that God works all things together for the good? For those that love God are in a call according to His purpose. So it wasn't the shipwreck or the storm. It was the fire that drew out this, this snake and then it bit Paul, and if you remember, instead of becoming bitter, yes, he was bit, but he didn't become bitter. He got better. And the Bible says that he shook it off into the fire. And I wonder how many of us can get to that point this morning where we recognize that just because something is attaching itself to us doesn't necessarily believe it needs to re doesn't mean it needs to remain there. Shake it off. Shake it off into the fire. The same fire that you were building that the Lord is stirring up inside of your life, that same fire that the Holy Spirit has put down in your soul to have more of God and live more for God is going to draw out an enemy. And when the enemy gets drawn out, shake it off. Shake it into the fire. Don't get bitter. Uh, one other thing in review. Last week we talked about that Paul never mentioned the serpent. Never came out of his mouth. He didn't go around testifying. And this really isn't a testimony, it's just a money. Come on. He didn't go around telling everybody how bad the storm was and the shipwreck was. And not, uh, now, to add insult to injury, we've got a snake that just bit me. He just shook it off. And the end result was there were healings on that island and people got saved. So your confession and your testimony must be Christ or the spirit, not the situation or the circumstance. Regardless of how you feel on the inside, watch this, faith it till you make it. Faith it till you make it. Uh-huh. This morning I want to talk about how serpents show up in our lives in another way, and this is temptation. And I know nobody in here ever gets tempted because you've all been saved your whole life. 
You're so perfect. And you think saved people and saint people don't get tempted. Boy, boy, let me, let me just blow that idea out of the water. The book of Hebrews says that Jesus, was he perfect or not? In every way. But the Bible says that here this perfect man who was also God was, in, was tempted in every way that we are, yet without sin. So if Jesus was tempted, get over yourself. So will you. And you need to start recognizing that because the battle is somewhere not a, you know, and we get into this spiritual warfare thing a little bit often too. We think there are demons and angels and they're at war with each other. And I'm thinking of like uh, something right out of Lord of the Rings, you know, like spiritually out there, there's these swords flying, you know, and then drive it. That was kind of cool, wasn't it? I didn't intend that. I wasn't in my notes. That was cool though. It's like sound effects. That's awesome. But you know, let, let, me, let me make it a little more practical. That's not really the battle. The battle really is what's going on between your ears in your noggin. The battlefield's your mind. And it's whether or not you will allow the next thought, or may I say conception, I love that word conception, will you allow that thought to conceive into sin? That's where the battle is. When a thought pops into your mind and it's dropped like an egg, you know snakes lay eggs? When it's dropped like an egg into your mind, will you incubate that thought and then conceive it as sin? Let's read what James has to say about this. In verse 12, it says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. I want to to say there's a difference. God does not tempt you but God does test you and allow you to be tested. But understand there's a difference. God is never interested in you sinning. He's not interested in that at all. However, you will be tempted because watch this. When you got saved, your flesh didn't. I wonder if anybody got that. Because like in my first year of being saved, I thought I had to be perfect. Like I was never going to sin again. (laughs) That didn't work. Right? Now, I'm looking at some of you right now, and you, you, you're just like, I don't sin. Then that would make you a dead person. Because Peter later says, the person that has ceased from sin has ceased in the flesh. They make you dead. So you're alive. Are you breathing this morning? Are you vertical? Then you have the potential to be tempted. Nobody talks about temptation anymore because, you know, we live in a world today where it's just everything's relative, you know. What are you, whatever you think is wrong or whatever you think is right. No, there is a standard called the Word of God and that standard tells us exactly what is right and wrong. And if you don't live according to it, you are in sin. We don't even mention the word sin anymore, especially not in church because we want lots of people to come. Hey, I want you to come. Yes, come as you are. Just don't stay that way. I want to see you change, transform. I want to see your mind renewed. So there is a standard and we must live by it. You will be tested and tempted. James goes on and says, Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. Do you love God? Then you will resist temptation. Jesus said, Do you love me? Keep my commandments. My commandments are not grievous. (laughs) Watch this. 
And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires. Whose desires? Our own. Which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect. Now, I'm going to land the sermon, the plane here at the end here in a little bit because it's almost like James is making like a, it, did, did, he, did he jump out of context here? Did he change his mind? Well, I thought he was talking about sin and now all of a sudden he's talking about good and perfect things. What, what, why did he change here? Verse 17, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chooses to give birth to us, giving us his true word. Oh, this is the key to overcoming sin. And we, out of all creation, become his prized possession. Pray with me. Father God, we confess this morning that even though we don't feel like it, we are your prized possession. That God, even though there is in us the capacity for sinfulness, Father, you are a good God and you bring down blessings. You are the Father of lights and you bring every good gift down into our life. You pour into our lives to overflowing so that God, the good and the righteousness of your Son, Jesus Christ, is now imparted to us. And God, it removes the stain of sin by His blood. Father, we thank you that God, He died once, but He also died for all and for all time. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We were in Japan a couple years ago visiting my daughter who, who teaches over there. Did you see there was like a, what was it, a, a six on the Richter scale? Huh? 6.4. They just had another earthquake over there, man. I think it's Godzilla. I think he does live over there. I, I seen Godzilla in Tokyo. I mean, he, they got a big one in Tokyo. He's a big guy. But anyway, they just had another earthquake. But while we were there visiting her the last time, they had one of these big Burmese pythons. You know, what, you ever see one of these these big old pythons? Big old nasty look. I mean, gross man. Yeah, I mean, you want to get grossed out. You, you, uh, they're just sick. I don't. I don't know anybody that really likes snakes. Is there somebody that does? You know, uh, altar call. Come on. No, no, that's cool. They're God's creatures, man. Bless you. I'm just playing, man. You know, I love you. We're friends. But. You know, I'm like Indiana Jones. I don't care for snakes or spiders, right? I don't care for that. Anyway, this Burmese python, I, I'll never forget it. I, I'll never forget the pythons and the monkeys. I love monkeys, right? I take a monkey over a python any day. But I, yeah, I guess a monkey will make a mess of your life too. So anyway, we're over there and we see this Burmese python, this big one, and it had laid all of these eggs. And I didn't realize this. I thought snakes... When they lay that size, I thought they laid just like a, you know, you know, like a goose or something, just a big egg, right? And then be done. And then the next, no, this Burmese python laid like, and they can lay over a hundred eggs. And this is what I seen it doing. It would, it would coil itself up over the eggs and then it would shiver like it was cold. But that's not what pythons do. They, 
they do that to generate heat because the larvae inside the eggs or whatever you'd call it, you know, the, uh, they're ready to be hatched or whatever. They need heat. And so what mama python is doing is generating enough heat. She is incubating. She's incubating these eggs so that there's enough heat that there'll be a transformation and what started out as conception now can be conceived into living life. How many of you know that your conceptions, your baby thoughts, are just thoughts waiting to be born? It won't remain in your head for long. Well, what these pythons will do is they'll give birth that way and then heat the eggs until they're incubated. And then once they're incubated, then you've got 107 of these, 100 or more of these baby pythons. What a python will do to kill its prey is it'll coil itself around a person. Think about temptation here. And when it coils itself around a person, whatever its prey is, it'll wait for its prey to exhale. So when you breathe out, it coils a little bit tighter. When you try to breathe in and then back out again and you exhale, it a little bit tighter, a little bit tighter until you're suffocated. Then it eats you. And this is how temptation works. You see, the devil doesn't have to be there. See, he just comes along and pops a little thought inside of your head. You know what I'm talking about? Just throws a little thought like an egg inside of your head, Bob. Well, it went to Bob, though. It's, it was meant for Bob. Pops it inside of your head, and then he runs off. You do the work of incubating it. You give it the heat. You give it the conception. You give it, you give it life because you dwell on it. You begin to think about it. You begin to mull over it, right? You think about it a little bit more and more and more and more. And then that is conceived and birthed into sin. That's what James is talking about here. Paul agrees with him. Paul has another text. And it's interesting. Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, he says, though we walk by the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds Casting down of imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. What you might miss in that verse is there's a progression. You see, the progression is this. He says there are strongholds, there are also what? High places, woo, high things. There are also imaginations and there are thoughts. Now let me do it in reverse order. Paul is saying simply this, every sin is birthed as a thought that must come into the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's how you get rid of it. If you don't, next thing you do is you give it some imagination Hello. And then that imagination becomes a higher and higher thing. And once you give it imagination, then it becomes a stronghold. In other words, it's birth into an addiction. 
There is a science now of the brain called neuroplasticity. Anybody know what that is? You do. Awesome. It's simply this. We have studied the brain enough to know that after 90 days, your brain has the ability to rewire itself for good or for bad. Addictions are just habits and wiring that can be rewired the other way too. You can be just as on fire for God as you were crazy and nuts in the bar room in the world. I'm living proof. If you were a disaster in the world, you could be a preacher someday. Check it out. You have the ability in Christ to be anything God's called forth and called you to be. But it's going to happen in here, between your ears and your noggin. And you've got to learn to deal with thoughts as soon as they're laid into your life and not incubate them over time. Now, you don't incubate thoughts, I know. There isn't anybody in here that's ever had a dirty thought. I'm going there. You've never had a dirty thought before. Because again, once again, you're not even breathing. You're not even alive. Yeah. And, and there's nobody in here that's ever had a thought about pride. And there's nobody here that's had a greedful, a greedy thought at all. And there's nobody in here that's ever... And, and, and wouldn't it be nice if... Wouldn't it be nice if... One day at church, we gave a real altar call and everybody came up and laid at the altar and repented of what's really going on. That's the way Keith Green used to do it. You know Keith Green, right? Yeah, that's the way he used to do it. That's real revival. Not the, oh, that gave me goosebumps. That felt good. No, I'm talking about the kind where you actually repent of stuff that you've been dwelling on. You nasty stuff inside of your brain. No, just me, right? That, Oh, pastor? Pastor has thoughts? Get a hold of the board right now. Let's have an election. This guy. I want to talk to you a little, a little bit about how this breaks down. You see, Martin Luther kind of gave us an aspect of this a little bit. It helps us to understand it. You can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from making a nest in your hair. You're going to have thoughts that fly in and fly out. So, so first of all, don't think that you're a super saint and it'll never happen to you. It will. It does. Just like there are birds in the air and eventually one of those birds is going to drop something on you. Come on. Hallelujah. Never had that happen? Had it happen. It's where I had, wear a hat outside, man. So here, here's the deal. You can't stop that from happening, but you can stop it from making a nest in your hair. You can stop it from dwelling in your life. You've got to be willing to deal with that stuff as soon as it pops in. And James kind of gives us an understanding here a little bit. What's the first thing he talks about? What does he tell us? He says in verse 12, you're blessed if you endure. There's going to be some time. So he says, look, you're blessed if you're going to endure this, this season. How many of you know this too, too shall pass? Yeah, you're gonna get, you're gonna endure, but God says you're blessed if you do it. He says, for when you're tried, you shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love Him. And then He gives us a breakdown of some, of some pointers here to deal with temptation. And the first one is this. You'll see it. It's in verse 13. When you're tempted, it doesn't say if you're tempted. It says when. You're gonna be. 
You're going to be tempted. You were tempted this morning. You about beat the tar out of each other on the way to church. And then when you got through those doors, you're like, well, hi, good morning. The Spirit of God is all over this place. Yeah, right. Be realistic. Doesn't say if, it says when you're tempted. When you're tempted. I want to remind you, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 tells us that no temptation has seized you but that which is common unto man. You're in good company this morning if you've, if you've been tempted. If you've, had a, if you've had a temptation island week, you're, you're, you're in great company because everybody else probably has too. So, so, so take off the, the Pharisee hat and, and, and put on the practical and be realistic. It happens. It happens to all of us. It happened to Jesus. He overcame it though. He did. Be realistic. When you see an egg or when you sense an egg in your mind and that thought pops in and you know that's not of God, hello, how many of you remember Shrinky Dinks? I'm dating myself here. You, Chad, you don't know anything about Shrinky Dinks? That's because, dude, you're not as old as me. People went out and bought these stupid... I mean, I did. I told my parents, i got to have Shrinky Dinks. You buy these little stupid pieces of plastic you take them home and you put them in the oven and they would shrink up even like real small. And they'd be like, look at my little stupid shrinky dinks. Pay like five or ten bucks for this thing, whatever. You don't remember this? Yeah. When that, when that thought comes into your life, what God wants to do is shrink it. And, and God will. God will, if you rely on His Spirit, if you give Him the opportunity, He'll come in in a powerful way and shrink it. He'll even shrinky-dink it. But, but, if, but if you dwell on it or mull on it, He's not going to overpower your will. He said, if that's what you want to think on, if that's a, how many of you know we have a volition and it, it's really our choice? So just, just be realistic. It's going to happen. And when it happens, God's going to give you the power. We'll talk about that in just a minute, how it works. But God's going to give you the power to shrink it and dinky it. Be responsible. Look at verse 13. It says, when tempted, no one should say, God has tempted me. Listen, you take responsibility for your own temptation. Don't, don't, don't say, because I'm Irish, I lose my temper. Because that's just the way God made me. I'm Irish. I get angry. My wife happens to be Irish. I'm here to tell you, that's not true of Irish people. This is some of the stuff we think, right? How about because, hey, boys will be boys. Come on. Godly men will be godly men. Okay, I got three amens out of that. That's great. All from women. All the dudes are like, yeah, but boys will be boys. <laughs> what? Huh? No. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All the old has passed away. And suddenly, everything has become new. This is the godly man or woman of God. You're not that old person anymore. Don't say boys will be boys. What's worse now, girls are going to be girls. Hey man, when I was growing up, girls didn't say certain things. Do, you meant sugar and spice and everything nice. That's what little girls were made of, right? Holy cow. I've done some substitute teaching. I've heard some things that make me blush. I mean, wow, and it didn't come from the boys. What am I saying? I'm saying there are no 
There are no categories of I'm this or I'm that, so I get an excuse to be this way and sin. No, 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 no. Crucify every excuse. You're a new creation resurrected with Christ. You, 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 don't, you don't live that way. You don't do that anymore. Can I talk about this? The Bible says without holiness, no man will see God. Do you even hear this message anymore? That you must be holy. Be ye holy as I am holy, says the Lord. What? What is that? You just be comfortable. No. Where are the old days? Guys like Spurgeon would preach for four hours. Don't, aren't you glad I don't preach for four hours? People would get in the altars and weep over their sin, man. They're done with it. Little Chuck Spurgeon, he smoked cigars, though. Did you know that? You didn't know that, did you? Oh, and you're like, oh, Spurgeon? He is a human, or was a human, right? You too, right? Well, God made me this way. Stop it. Take responsibility. When you're tempted, no one should say, God's tempting me, for God can't be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Look at the next one. Be ready. James says in verse 14, says each one is tempted by his own evil desires. Where is it coming from? It's not coming from the outside. It's coming from the inside. It, I think it's really cool how Jesus teaches us how the spiritual world is lived from the inside out. Jesus, earlier than this in the New Testament, says that what comes out of a man defiles him. Not what's going in, but what comes out. In other words, the, own, the source of incubation, the place where the egg hatched, is in me. And I need God to perform surgery on me. I need heart surgery. So you can all you want try to go through your life and have this like prima donna look. Oh, listen, we did this in the 80s, didn't we? If you were a Christian in the 80s, come on, I'm going to talk about it. You didn't play cards. You didn't go to bowling alleys. You know why you didn't go to bowling alleys? Because people drink beer over there. Was that the 60s? Oh, okay. Well, I'm not from Finley. Maybe bowling in the 60s took you to hell. But in the 80s, where I'm from in Chicago, then it took... Well, okay, what else? Well, you didn't go to dances. And then Jimmy Swaggart came along and said, you didn't go to movies. And then, then, then Jerry Falwell came along and said, you don't do Teletubbies. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You go into people's houses and they say, you got, a, you got a picture of an owl on the wall. Owls are evil. Owls aren't evil, man. That's stupid. But we were like, we were looking, we had this witch hunt. We were looking for anything in our lives to blame for our own sinfulness that was right in here. Right in here. I am telling you to use some discretion and what you have in your atmosphere. Because atmosphere will affect you. I remember there was this like whole crusade against secular music. And then there was a whole crusade, crusade against Christian rock. And, oh, and some of you are still like, oh, we don't do that. Well, your pastor used to have hair down to here and tour of bands like Striper. So I guess I made it. But we got to find something here to blame for our own sinfulness on the inside. When the reality is, it's not an outside thing as much as it is right in between your, your cute little earlobes, your mind. Be, be responsible. Don't, don't blame it on God, but also be ready. Know where it's coming from. Don't go on a 
on a, on a life cleanse and think that you're going to eliminate temptation because it's carried around in you. And sometimes it's carried around in the smallest of things. This guy named Bobby Leach, he went over to Niagara Falls. You know that, you know that story? And, and what did he go over, like in a bar, a, some type of beer barrel or something? I like beer barrel pizza, by the way. They got good pizza, don't they? Never been there? No, because it's got beer in the title. I'm a Pentecostal. This dude, Bobby Leach, uh, went over Niagara Falls in a barrel. He went over he, unharmed. A couple of days later, he slipped on an orange peel and died. So, so, so while we're so busy trying to eliminate the big things in our life, we, it's really the little things that just take us out. The little thoughts, tiny little things that come along that we slip up on. And because we get so self-confident, we think, oh, I've been saved for years. Oh, I'm, I, I read my Bible and I pray. I can't go down. And like that hasn't, that hasn't been the trouble all throughout the Bible and for every Christian leader of the last 200 years. I, I'm okay. I know enough of God. This couldn't happen to me. As soon as you're at that place where you say, it couldn't happen to me, you're a candidate. Be on guard. Be ready. What, what did Peter say about that? He said some cool stuff. He said, be alert. Be on guard. You're on, on guard. You're de- the devil is a what? A roaring lion. Uh, Jesus said, watch and pray that you not enter temptation. Paul said, when you've done all the stand, stand. Put on the whole armor of God. You got to get ready, man. You got to be prepared every day. As soon as your feet hit the carpet at the end of your bed, you better be ready because temptation's there saying, hi, I've been waiting all night and I'm sure glad you're up. Let's party. That don't happen in your house. I know. Mm-hmm. What's James say? He says, each one is tempted by his own evil desires. That's the first step. It's an inside job. Who robbed the bank of your mind? The devil in you. And that's who you have to deal with. you you got to crucify your own flesh. And you've got to crucify every evil desire as soon as it's popped in and it's wanting to be birthed. And the second step is this. Identify that deception early on. You know, James says, you're dragged away and enticed. Drug away. Yeah, like you're kicking and screaming into temptation, right? But he says, some people will be. Some people will want to be so in love with God that it takes a dragging. But I love the fact that your same Bible promises that with every temptation, God is faithful and will make a way of escape, right? He'll make a way out. If you'll just endure, it's just for a season. And God's saying, I've got a way out. Come on. This don't have to take you down. So pay attention to where these thoughts kind of come from. Um, there's a couple Greek words here that are in the dragged away. That Greek word, it's snare or trap. And then uh, enticed. It means to be lured by a bait. And uh, anybody love to fish in here? I know the Headley boys are like, they're awesome. 
They're 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 awesome. I know I know you can catch some fish around here. That's great. I like to fish too. But but it's all about when you get there, if somebody catches something, first thing you want to know is what are you using? You, you use him, huh? He's your bait. You just throw him in. <laughs> you just throw him in. So, bye, Casey. Let's get some. Yeah. So so you hey, what are you using? And the devil says, you know what? I, I understand your fish. I understand that it's it what I'm using over here on Glenn or on Sarah may not work for you. So I'll switch bait. I'll cut bait. I'll use whatever works for you. I'll keep working at it until I know you'll nibble. And think about what, what James is saying here. He's saying, um, whatever starts to entice you is what the devil will start working with. If you start nibbling, the devil knows, okay, I got, I, that's what we'll keep using, boys. Stay on it. But you've got to, you've got to resist the urge to nibble. And if you do, God not only makes a way of escape, but after a while, you'll begin to build up a fullness in Christ and in His Spirit where you're not hungry for that nibble anymore. You ever go shopping hungry? That's why she don't take me shopping, because I'm always hungry. So I fill up two carts, because I want to nibble on everything. That looks good. That looks good. I came to church this morning, and I got stuck in the kitchen. I went in the kitchen to get a pen. And I was like, look at all this food that's not been put away. I start chowing, man. Right? You, you don't do stuff like that. I, you, 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 you know what? I know you do. I've seen you guys. You do. Sure seen these kids, man. We had, we had a great time, you know, over the last week. But I think Jason Johnston and I, what did we make about? I made about 200 cotton candies. There was only like 100 kids. You made like 400 of those snow cones, dude. 400 snow cones. We ran out of the stuff to make the cotton candy. So like this one lady goes up and goes, hey, we don't care. Go over and break off some twigs and make the cotton candy on the twigs. We'll eat them. I was like, uh-uh. Devil don't care. After a while, you know, it's like, can I respect myself in the morning? What did I just eat? I know, it was 11.30 at night, and five pancakes sounded great. But that was stupid. Because I got heartburn now, and I can't sleep. And now I'm seeing Papa Smurf in my dreams. Stupid. But I walked in the kitchen. See, the devil wants to entice you, and if, if he can get you in a, a place where you can be enticed, and if you'll allow yourself that option of incubation, you'll produce for him what will destroy you. Yeah, I know he, he's came to steal, kill, and destroy. That God's come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But, but, but listen, you'll do, the, you'll do the destroying and the killing. He'll just do the stealing. He'll come to steal the word, the destruction. And, and listen, the killing part will be your own incubation upon the things that he puts into your own mind. I'm telling you, that's where the battlefield is at. He, he'll, he'll just entice you that way. And then he says, lastly, when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. So what kind of really hope do we have? This is what I think is so cool because James doesn't leave us hanging there. He, we get old-fashioned verse 17. And it's almost like, dude, are you talking about the same thing? Come on, James. You know, they used to call them old camel knees. You know, you know why they call them old camel knees? Well, the patriarchs called them this because he prayed so much and so often that his knees were disfigured. 
It disfigured his knees. He knows what he's talking about here and how it works. And he gives us verse 17 and he says, every good and perfect gift is from above. I thought you were talking about temptation. I thought you were talking about how to defeat temptation. He says, every good and perfect gift comes from above. Wait a minute, God. Come from above. I got all of these sinful eggs inside of me. I know for some of you, there's like only one or two or three, but this is me this morning. We're going to pick on me, okay? I got all these crazy thoughts that I had already this morning. And and really, I've had some sinful thoughts about people in this room. And then, yeah, it's you. You caught it. I thought that way about you. And I thought that, oh, Jordan. And I thought that way about you, Tyler. And you guys, I'm going to jump. You're going to hatch my egg. No, why won't you catch it? It's a ping pong. You're like, it's actual eggs. And Lord, all of these things about people in my life, I'm bitter towards them, I'm angry towards them. And God, I've got these dirty thoughts and I've got these greedy thoughts. And I've got these, I do the comparative game and the blame game. I look at people in my life and my mind is now filled and I go, why did they get that? Why did they get all the good things? Why do they get to have that? No, I don't get to have that. And God, look at all these. All I got is these dirty, filthy eggs. And James says, if you, if, if you allow that into your mind and, and you incubate it and you warm it, that thought will turn into a high thing. A high thing will turn into an imagination. And imagination, once it's birthed, will turn into a stronghold. And James calls that death. Death. But thank God that in verse 17, we have a Father that comes from above that gives good gifts. And this Father that comes from above gives us gifts like pouring out His Holy Spirit into us. And the more He pours out, the more we're changed from the inside out. Not from the outside in. I don't care that you dressed up this morning. Big honking deal. I know you smell pretty good and you brushed your teeth. Just for today. Awesome. That doesn't impress anybody. It doesn't impress God. What really impresses God is the transformation that occurs from the inside. The more that God pours into your life, the more those bad thoughts and those bad eggs, and yeah, they're, they're coming out. Amen, right? (laughs) You know I practiced this and it went better in practice. Then there's something floating in there. Okay, so, so. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Ephesians 5.26. It says that God sanctifies us by the washing of the Word. That we're regenerated by the washing of the Word. The more of the Word that comes in, the more of those bad thoughts and the more of that bad temptation gets out of us, man. You know, you know, Psalms tells us this. I believe it's 119 where David says in verse 11, Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Ephesians chapter 5, 18 tells us, don't be drunk with wine, wear in excess, but be filled 
be what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. And that be filled is continuous. It's not a one-time thing. Get out of the way, eggs. It's not a one-time thing. It's a continual thing. And the more you're filled, the less room there is for sin. Man, that ought to set you free this morning. That ought to tear up the devil in your life. That ought to destroy sinfulness in your life. Well, the devil comes along and he says, well, I got a hold of that. I know how to do that. I'm just going to bring more things back into your life. But the more he tries to shove that down into your life, the more that because you're filled from overflowing, the more it won't stay down in your life and the more you overflow. There isn't room now. How do you change in righteousness? It's not just about stopping. It's about starting. It's about getting filled or full of God. And now you're so full of God, you got you don't want to anymore. Your desires change. And after a while, you don't want to do those things anymore because what God has got is so good. I could take a big old drink right now. You want me to? My wife's shaking her head. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I know, babe. $5,000 is our is the beginning of our insurance, right? You're so full of God. And that's the problem. We leak. And then when we leak, we don't, we don't stay full. We say, it's not a big deal. I'll just skip a couple services. Big, big whoop. Big whoop. And, you know, I don't, I don't need to read my Bible this morning. Not a big, not a big deal. Big whoop. And I don't need time with the Holy Spirit today. Big whoop. And little by little, we leak. And in that leaking, there's more and there's more room. And all you're doing is, over time, allowing the devil to have place. And the Bible tells us, give no place to the enemy. No place. Stay full. Now, next week, I'm going to talk about how the Bible says that works. And I'm going to give us all an opportunity to experience the presence of God. Will you be prepared for that and not miss? Please. Yeah. You're like, should I? What? I, what? I don't know what's going on right now. Why is he raising his hand? Because God has more for you. Would you stand with me in prayer? Father God, right now in the name of Jesus, we confess that there isn't a perfect person in this room. The only perfection that is here is the nature of your Son, Jesus Christ. He became sin so that I might be the righteousness of God. But this is done by faith. It's not done by works. It's not done by action. Father, right now, even now, I pray that you, you would make this a church that's transformed and regenerated by a renewing of the mind.